0: Uh, so we have two Kyles now. Is this a Turnside. I'm going to call you Turnside. Turnside, cool. you good? Okay, sweet.
1: I feel like I'm, you're getting ready to put me in, coach.
0: <laughs> you are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the pro Sound Web podcast network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of pro studio headphones, as well as the A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser microphones at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath asked us to read this. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? No, because the tree was using one of those mics with an on and off switch on it, and those are always off just when you need to hear them the most. Welcome back to the Signal and Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. As always, I'm Michael Lawrence. Tonight, I'm joined by trusty old Kyle Turnside. What's up, man? <laughs> it's,
1: it's like that wrench you can't get rid of. I know, we were You're just, just like...
0: talking about how old you were. <laughs> and uh, Hannah Goodine, joining us from Maine, is with us as Hello. well. Welcome, Hannah. Hey. and Thanks. so uh chris is not with us tonight chris is doing is he doing was it the u.s open of squash kyle is that what he yeah did? Mm-hmm. yeah pretty cool
1: the biggest squash facility in the united states and he sent pictures hopefully he'll be able to post some i think he probably has posted some but they're yes. really yeah we'll cool. put them
0: up in the discord that's pretty pretty neat stuff so i've,
1: I've never seen squash look so cool before <laughs> it's pretty badass
0: <laughs> he did have a pretty cool rig going but yes even though we are chris Leonardless tonight we are not chris list tonight um, our our guest of our previous episode, Chris Miller, has returned. He's going to be our special guest host tonight. So we have hey. a Chris in the Chris slot. Chris Miller, welcome back to the show. Hey, hey. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks. Good, good I, to have you I back. Listen,
1: man. I listened to Black Bear today. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, yeah. A, and I liked it. I liked everything about it. It's I don't sick, know. Why. It's
2: sicker, it's sicker live with real drums. It, they're a really good band. I'm Can sure confirm. it is,
1: man. Like, I just went through the hits, I ripped through them. And. It was good, man. That's uh, that's pop music for sure. Yeah.
0: So our our guest this episode is someone that uh, I've been waiting quite a while to get on the show. I'm really happy we got to work it out. He's a producer. Ooh. He's a mixer. He's an engineer. Uh, he's worked on uh, State Champs, Newfound Glory, Five Seconds to Summer, All Time Low, Pierce the Veil, and a bunch of other bands that Hannah and Kyle really like. That I that I probably don't listen to. Um, mm-hmm. One of the one of the best in the business, in my opinion, uh, Mr. Kyle Black. Oh, Thanks for joining. Thank us. you, yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked <laughs> to be here with such Where, talented guys. Are, are you joining us from uh, West Coast right
3: now? Yeah, I'm in Van Nuys at my studio. Um, it's called West Alley Recordings, and uh, yeah. So it's in Los Angeles sitting on my drum kit right
0: now. Oh, cool. Are you going to play program- for it?
3: No, no, I'm not going to play. <laughs> I was just programming some, some drums and I like to sit on the kit and see what it feels like and stuff like
0: that. So that's where I am right now. Exactly. Wait, we- I, uh, thank you for uh, having me. <laughs> well, it's kind of, we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about tonight. Cause you know, I think I, I really got turned on to your work through a couple of friends of mine who were, who were state champs fans. Hannah's, Hannah's one of them that kind of got me into it. And man, those mixes that you did with them are just awesome. They're just so thank cool. You. Um, thank you, thank you. and, and that was one of those things that I th- I reached out to you like a couple of years ago, I sent you an email. And one of the things you said was like that you model that kind of after a live, experience I do. that was you know and so i was like oh man that's really cool so like yeah uh, why do you think that mindset Absolutely. isn't more popular with studio mixers
3: oh why is it not popular i don't know i mean i can't say uh why it's not as i know for me that was just what i did that's how i grew up you know what i mean i was like going to shows and and going to big shows small shows and and uh really appreciating the sound of a, of a live show. And then, um, I was also in a band, so like mm. having the feeling of, um, you know, the, the sound of playing with other, um, musicians like sticks with you, you know what I mean? And, and I guess as I'm mixing, I try to, uh, get that feeling across, you know what I mean? And, um, so I can't speak for others, but but maybe i just went to a lot more shows than other people i mean i live in los angeles you know what i mean and and um band was playing shows so maybe i guess that's my answer to your question
1: it, it's But so let's go let's go way back let's go way back michael before we dig into okay. the mixing how, I what got you into mixing then you said you were in a band you yeah. said you did live sound i mean how did this all develop for you
3: um okay so I mean, let's in elementary school, I did the, the orchestra thing and the choir thing. Yeah. And then, you know, um, played. I think I started on a violin and my fingers were too fat. So I got a cello. Then I, <laughs> you know, I got into a stand up bass. And then I went to a middle school with no orchestra and I started an electric, got an electric bass. So I was just in love with it, you know, like we all tend to do. And then, um, uh, so in high school, I was in a band. And then we did really decent, like really well for a high school band. We were like pulling big shows, and we ended up. We were called Neural. We got signed to Hopeless Records, and in the process of um, playing in the band throughout high school, I would always record our demos. And um, you know, I started on a four-track recorder, little uh, Tascam, would record the demos. I, like really, once I got that, and I like hit record and listened back, I just fell in love with that. Whatever it was doing to me, um, I really got infatuated with it, and then I um, that became my hobby. What I was, I, I didn't do my homework. I went to band practice, and I played, and I recorded our demos. You know, and then I got a BR8, which was an eight track, and then the next Christmas yeah. I asked for a sixteen track Yamaha. You know, and by the time I was a senior in high school, um, I uh, I was like, you know. I, was, I remember I was like getting paid for it, you know, and um, maybe 25 bucks a song or 25 an hour, 100 bucks a song, whatever. And then by the time I was senior in high school, I was had Pro Tools and a computer.
1: And then was the, it a ganked copy or did you pay for it?
3: <laughs> um, I, I did a lot of, you know, a lot of different ganking and, and I paid for some. I don't know. I ended up getting that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's OK. We all had yeah. we all had LimeWire and everything. Oh, I
3: mean, nowadays I'm paying for it. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, yeah, I, all those companies I was cracking. I you know now I pay for, for sure because yeah. But um, so out of high school, the band got signed, and the band worked with a bunch of great producers: Mike Green, um, David Bendith, Arnold Lonnie, um, Dan Korneff, just different guys. And that's where I learned how to produce. From them, because just watching them produce my own band, you know, and um, that's kind of how it all started. Before it came a real profession, um, is that a is that answering your
1: question? Yeah.
0: Was there yeah, was totally. there a moment when cool. you kind of was like, oh no, I this could be my job. Like I'm not just playing with my friends. Like, was was, was do you remember that shift at all, or was it kind of a gradual thing?
3: It was. Um, I mean when I was graduating high school, it wasn't even a second thought. It was like, okay, I'm going to do band stuff. Mm. The band, like, cause I was booking our tours and, you know, we were playing shows and trying to get out there and do the damn thing, you know? And, uh, like I said, we got signed and and all of our parents were really supportive, which I'm really grateful for.
1: That's cool. That is cool. That's
3: great. Yeah.
1: Shout out to parents that support that. (laughs)
3: yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, it was, um, that was the beginning of like it being a real thing. And then I started being an assistant to these guys that produced my band, you know, like Mike Green, Dan Kornaff, Um I was always in contact with them, you know, so I was always there to like do some edits or whatever. And and that's how I, you know, started Collecting credits and and doing all this cool stuff with bands like All Time Low and um, you know Pierce the Veil. I ended up my first actual credit was, uh, you know, engineering the Selfish Machines record with Mike. Um, and then
1: um, I did just you freak being... on that? Did did you like cut out <laughs> take pictures of the <laughs> producer credit? I I've only I got mean... to help produce one album on. I just like that that was like. Epic for me. Was that the? And I go one? back and listen to it. Yeah, I mean, and I listen to it and I'm like, it's garbage. <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
3: uh, I did. I mean, I freaked when I got the little like billboard plaque. I thought that was really cool. But what? Dude, I, when I awesome. really freaked was when Comeback Kid asked me to do their record. That was a freak moment, you know, where I was like, "What? Am I actually? Did I just receive an email from Andrew Newfield? You know?" And. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's when I was like, OK, I'm doing something right, you know, and uh, I just stuck with it. And, um, you know, a lot of really great opportunities. I remember working with Chad Gilbert, who hired me to engineer the Shy Hulud record. And that's when I did some stuff with Infant Glory. Um, what else? Um, just a lot of like super right in the right place at the right time i don't know giving off the right vibe and just showing that i could do the work and this is what i was passionate about
1: um, shai halud is another example of the hardcore crossover band Mm. because everyone played in newfound glory and other bands and like i always like that little background about bands because it it gives their stuff this energy like nobody else had and that Mm. was like fallout boys first album i was like holy cow they are a hardcore band with patrick singing weird oh that's cool (laughs) yeah
3: you know the cool thing about shy halud is is it's so melodic um and you can working with that band it's called um uh reach beyond the sun you can there's so much melody in the guitar work and that's what's cool about that record is it's beautiful just to listen to it even though it's all distorted and the tempos are crazy. It's just, um, <laughs> you could tell they really influenced a lot of melody and, um, I don't know. That's the cool thing about heavy, heavy music and a lot melod- heavy melodic post hardcore stuff. You know, it's got I, a lot of aggression and energy, but it sounds, it's just fun to listen to. I,
0: I think that's, I mean, that's definitely something that I want to talk about because I'm interested in it. When you get multiple distorted guitars in a mix, Mm. you're just putting all of this, just almost broadband noise, you know, there's just, there's a lot mm. of energy in that whole spectrum there. And right. you know, you do a really good job of keeping that separated and keeping it clear and you can still pick out all the guitars and it doesn't just dissolve into this kind of white noise mush. So, Ooh, I mean, thanks. what's your approach to that? And, and I'd love to hear from others, Kyle and and also Chris, cause you mm. guys all mixed, you know, kind of really guitar heavy bands.
3: Um, my answer would be, uh, has a, being able to balance that in the mix, the drums need to be right. Like the drums need to fight against this like bl- brick wall of guitar noise, mm. right? So the hits need to be consistent. And, um, so it, it, for me, it really comes down to the production of the rhythm section, um, so yes, um, that, that's kind of, I don't know, I guess my secrets, not secret, but you know, the drums got to be right. They got to cut through and, and then that allows you to have this pumping mix and, and then push up the guitars, I guess, as loud as you need. Um, yeah, I don't do a lot of processing on the guitars, you know,
0: I, I, w- I will say I have a, a little bit of a, uh kind of glimpse into your process because you did a, a mm. nail the mix session um with champs and that's not usually again that's not the type of music that i tend to work a lot on but mm. i was like man i gotta see what he's doing with this so cool. like those tracks are so clean and Thanks. i think that's a huge part of it too it's just the yeah. raw yeah. tracks you know that that right. are you know the ecstasy is that right yeah we did a lot yeah mainly ecstasy
3: and a divided by
2: 13 and my my favorite my favorite distorted guitar amp. yeah totally
3: you know, and the performance on on the guitar you know it's got to be mm. like the right strike of the string against that hit of the drum, you know um you can't just like l- lollygag a performance, I think um and expect it to really sit in the mix mm. properly, you know um So yeah, that's my answer It's just the actual tracking process of it is you taking a lot of time and making sure it's, it's played, um, well, and and you, you can turn it up without being like, yeah, I don't want to hear that. Hmm. You know, I want to hear that.
0: What about you guys? Old, old Kyle. What do you got, man?
1: (laughs) I'm a big fan of multiple microphones and, uh, before kempers and before emulation i was doing red box di's the hughes and kettner ones um i was a fan of getting things really even Mm. with the guitars because most of the the metal and hardcore bands that i worked with were always running and they'd been their strings so you you got to keep the imperfections to a minimum like he said in it's got to be a clean recording to get those tracks right but in the live mix you got to fill the space. And I learned that stuff from watching the dudes from like Europe do it. I I think the guy who mixed in flames and like Mm. at the gates and the guy who did in flames for a long time came over and did slayer towards the end as well. And it was like, that's what I was watch on those guys is their mix of, of guitar live, you know, because if if the distortion's too much, it just turns into a big mud puddle. So, like he said, staccato drums, staccato guitars go together really well and they have to play well. Like there is no substitute for a bad mm. distorted guitar. I mean, I'd pick and choose nightly what I was going to use for what. Um, I like leaning on the Huges and Kettner because it was clean and I usually had loud guitars on stage to deal with. So um I take the cleanest thing, but that was cool and good guitar heads, man. Like, um, I really started to pay attention to guitar heads and I never really did that too much, but the old Marshall nine hundreds, the Bogners, um, it, something about those two amps, man. They just, if, if, you're driving them right. They just sound great. If not, it's horrible. Tight cabinets too.
0: Was there ever any conversation between you and the, and the players about how their tone was coming through out front or anything like that? Mic position changes. And was there a dialogue there? Or you just kind of dealt with it.
1: Sometimes I deal with it. Um, mic position changes. I'd hope for a monitor engineer so I could sit there and move it around and mark it and mm. do the thing. But big proponent of d- dynamic condenser, fairly close and then um the red box yeah and i do choose choose your poison basically at sound check i'd like to get them even and spread them evenly especially if i had two guitars if it was one guitar holy cow then you just had to do a bunch of throwing everything everywhere
0: one of my guys just bought (laughs) the uad the ox i think it's called and it's their kind of yeah that's some cool stuff but and, you know, he's older, so he grew up with just, you know, crank the tubes as loud as they go. And and, and so it's been a real shift to get him comfortable, direct on in-ears and all that stuff. But, the, you know, maybe his tone isn't exactly where it used to be, but the, the the isolation is night and day. And what we found is that that matters so much that he's willing to take. Yeah, I still got to futz in my tone a little bit to get happy with it because you don't have all this other crap in the in the signal. And that's made a huge difference you know, when you put that through a PA, uh, Chris, what about you, man?
2: Um, I mean, really, you know, I mean, you're talking to the guys to ask, uh, <laughs> but, that I agree with all the stuff, you know, a, a good performance, a, a good player and a, and a good amp, um, are the biggest building blocks of it. You can't make a bad guitar sound sound, <laughs> sound good. With yeah. DQ. yeah. You just can't, yeah. you can't do it. It has to sound good when it gets to you. Um, I, you know, it's so rare that I do a real guitar amp these days. Uh, pretty much everybody has gone Kemper or Axe Fix at this point. Um, so in, in that case, it's really the same kind of process. You got to get with a guitar player in front of some studio monitors and you make all the sounds together. And if the sounds are good in the Axe Fix, then you're going to have a good time. If not, you can't fix it with EQ, you know.
1: Chris, did you have to deal with a lot of switching between sounds too?
2: Um. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, so we're all like, we're all like MIDI switched, like, you know, there's probably three or four guitar sounds in every song, but the, the really fortunate thing about this band is that we have really long, exhaustive rehearsals, which is really sick. So I'll have like two, two weeks literally. And, I can take two whole days and just sit with a guitar player and go through every sound and like level match all of them. Yeah. Perfect. It's, it's nice. sick. That's cool. That's, uh, that's really the key, you know, just taking the time to do it right. Right. Yep.
3: I was going to say, uh, earlier that oh, I've, I've noticed one thing we all three have in common as sound mixers is we work with bands that have great players and, um,
1: and we're thinning. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so Uh, not a lot of hair in this bunch (laughs) so (laughs) so
3: what i was a little
1: desolate up there
3: so i was gonna say i feel like one of the like golden tickets to like success is working with other people who are like talented or just as talented and so for me i'm very selective with who i work with you know if i know a band isn't Aren't great players. or are very rarely will I sign up for the gig, and um, and I got to be into the music. Mm. You know what I mean. I got to really like it. And I was kind of curious for you guys. Do you take the same approach? Like, if where you're, will you say yes to a gig because you're passionate about the band? Um, over, we spent like half
2: half of my
0: podcast. Yeah, we talking we about talked this. about oh, really? that with
2: Chris, which is really? you know,
0: and, and I mean, there's some yeah. interesting elements there. Like, part of it is finding whatever's cool in your current gig like you know a lot of us have to mix i do a ton of one-off stuff and so i often have to mix a genre that is not my favorite genre or an artist that is not my favorite artist or just something that Mm -hmm. i'm not uh, you know that i i'm not well versed in musically and Mm uh in those types of circumstances it's all about well let find what's cool about this and where 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 is the artistic uniqueness here and and kind of find the passion in what this artist is doing and magnify that and just zero in on that. And that's, you know, and so you kind of, yes, I obviously, I have a laundry list of bands that I love to work with and I have bands I've worked with that I didn't like working with as much, but it's also Mm -hmm. bringing my passion to whatever band I'm working with and however that's going to manifest, you know? Yeah. Cool. What about you, Chris? Yeah. I mean, um,
2: I, I'm very selective about, working for bands that can play um, because I know that if I work for a band that can't play it's gonna affect me negatively right. mm-hmm. you know it's a, I like making myself look good so <laughs> I like taking kicks with bands that can play their instruments um, cool. but yeah I totally agree I think being a fan of the, what you're listening to translates in a mix it makes like there's a fun and an energy that you get when you really like it and you're into it than when you're just cranking stuff out and uh, all that it stuff up. kind of
0: I, yeah, I want to hear from Hannah on this too because Hannah, you've done a bunch of stuff in this little 200 person room that you have that's, that's yeah. just a mess acoustically and you you know, we've talked about this, you have some bands that come in there, they're happy to see you and you're happy to see them and you're like, I love mixing these guys and then you have other bands and you're like this tonight's not going to sound good. So like how do you find your headspace for those two or three hours where you're just like, oh, this room is terrible and you know, it's just like, how are you finding the the kind of passion in there?
4: Um, I mean, it, there are better nights than others for sure. Um, there are nights where, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I hate this room and I hate these people and I just want to go home. But I think everyone has those nights sometimes, <laughs> but, um, it's like the, the vast majority of it is that, you know, I know that I'm putting my best foot forward and I am putting as much as myself as I can into the mix to try to make it happen. Mm. Um, but, you know, there are some nights where just it fits the room. It fits it, the whole mix just comes together. And that's really when you have, you know, good musicians and you have a good relationship with them. I think that's a huge part of it is the people that keep coming back or uh, like the people I've worked with a bunch, they come in, they trust me and they know that I'm going to make them sound as good as they can in that space. Um, and then, like, the ones that I've never met before, yeah. that's where it gets, you know, th- they don't trust me and they hate the room and they don't like the monitors, you know. They don't like the situation. And so it's after I build that relationship, it gets a lot easier. And after I know what to expect from them as players, it gets a lot easier. But, yeah.
0: Um, okay, Kyle Turnside, you said something about that a while ago that I, re- I think about it all the time. I don't think I've ever told you how much I think about this, what you said, but Uh-oh. you were like, yeah, man, when I'm in these terrible rooms, you know, and it's just as, you know, one of those things where it's just way too loud for the room. It's just a mess. And you're like, I'm going to get every single input on stage in the PA. Like you're going to hear every Tom in that PA, even like you find something to work on. And like, now this is your project mm-hmm. for, for the, the night is what you're doing audio wise. And you know, something in the way you're building that mix. And I think that's, that's really cool, man. Cause I think about like, like, f- Find a situation to workshop something in there and to, to, yeah, you know,
1: <laughs> and, and, and I loved it, man. I've worked in dirty punk rock clubs with 16 channel mixers and like eight of them work. Yeah. And like, you just make it happen. And like, sometimes the yep. challenge is worth it. You know, I grew up with metal and hardcore and punk rock shitty clubs and like, it made everything else kind of a pleasure. And I really liked when they started throwing different genres at me. Like mm-hmm. when I worked in Springfield, I did a a ton of bluegrass stuff mm. and I, I fell in love with it. And, and you do like there, I went out and did boys like girls with Andy from Scorpio and I was doing monitors and I was like, man, I like this band <laughs> and you do, you do kind of find a groove, but remember we don't get to pick and choose, but it's the scene you submerge yourself in will kind of gravitate towards you. And that's going to be my next question for Kyle as well is like the scene kind of submerses you into the way that you kind of make your art happen, you know, when you're mixing. And I think that's cool. And there's always been an East coast sound and a West coast sound, but sound is so prevalent now. It's like, uh, I, I never really followed producers until I started mixing. And then I was like, holy cow, Terry Date, holy cow, Rick Rubin, holy cow, like all these dudes that had done crazy stuff. And um, you would try. You would go out there and try to mix it like an album. And uh, cool. yeah. I remember um, we were playing Surf and Skate in New Jersey. <laughs> and uh, Further further Seems Forever got together with Chris Caraba to do the entire um, first album, whatever it was, The Moon is Down, and uh, the studio guy mixed them, and I was like, Oh no, <laughs> that would and, be me. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and he had a real hard time in that room, and I yeah. felt so bad for him because it was just this big echo chamber, and he tried to use all this reverb that he does in yeah. the studio, and I'm like,
3: Oh, oh yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but funny
1: when I, on the flip side, would go into the studio. I would just be a mesmerized. Like I I would not be a good producer. I would not be a good tracker or Uh, any of that stuff. Like I would be better getting coffee and cocaine or whatever the guys need. Um, (laughs) But yeah, don't let me mix in the studio. You guys have a super talent. (laughs) So my question is, do you, do you think growing up on the West coast where you were at that you kind of developed a West coast sound? I mean, you said you're on (sighs) hopeless records and Uh like, I'm kind of that, that indicates a sound to me.
3: Sure. I mean, yeah, I would say that there's something going on here. I I mean, you know, I was really obsessed with guys like Mark Trombino, um, Jerry Finn. Um, who else was like a SoCal producer? I don't know. Those are the main guys. Th- those were. Oh, yeah. Neil Avron, of course. Um, Neil.
1: Yeah. Yes. He did those three back there.
3: Oh yeah. He's definitely one of my favorites. So, um, you know, just being, I, I, re- I recall being at a studio in San Diego where like blink did a bunch of their stuff called big fish. And, um, I think that and then asking questions about, uh, from local guys who had worked with all these legendary people. Um, so, uh, I, I suppose gathering knowledge and from these people, guys and these, these are all SoCal people I, I just um, absorbed that and I, I in a way I do try and reproduce those you know all those early fallout boy records and <laughs> really fan glory
1: things and, so you, you would know, say you have you have like a west, Cal- west coast sound then right I,
3: I would I guess I've never really thought about it but now that you're making me think about it I
2: suppose yeah
3: I think there's a there's a I, thing going on here Because that's a big thing. I am curious,
2: like, yeah, right. Um, I am curious. Like, Trombino is probably my favorite mixer of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, How heavily influenced were you by Trombino? Oh, uh, because to me, you and him kind of have a similar
3: headspace. Cool. Yeah, uh, big time. I uh, loved all those records. Finch, Starting Line. um, What else? He did a couple Jimmy World records. Um, Yes, he did. Uh, this other band called yep. Diffuser. I mean, the list goes on. I think I can listen to any record. The
2: Greatest Generation. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. I can listen to any record of his and be like, man, how like I want that sound. And that that's, those are the kind of sounds I've been trying to achieve for sure. Um, I can tell. Thank you. Um, I love donut friends. Shout out to that. You know, I'm not sure if you guys knew that's his spot. He names all the donuts after, <laughs> you know, his bands he worked with, but I, th- yeah, he's, uh, He's really great. Really great.
0: Do do you remember like the first time you heard something on a record and were like, what is that? How are they getting that sound? Like something that grabbed your ear the the first time you had that experience. Um, I
3: think that I remember there was being really young and being turned onto a band called strung out. Yeah. And, um, twisted by design, I think was a record that just blew my mind. Um,
1: the drums, man.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Of course, of course, and it probably—I just loved the heat of those drums, and uh, and then I think it was, it was probably Trombino Records, and um, you know, like those that Finch record. And I'm actually friends with those guys now, and I have those those sessions, and I and I look at those sessions, and uh, there's just a lot of raw energy in there. Yeah, you know? um, it's the production's not dense. But you know, you can tell that everyone, every performance that was recorded had a lot of feeling, um, and grit, and energy, and um, I think that uh, Mark Trembino did a, a lot of a great job capturing all that kind of stuff, and so. And then it was he Neil Avron. So great at conveying emotion. Too. Absolutely, and Neil Avron always had. Um, And still to this day, uh, just the best sounding records. I mean, you know, he's one of the top rock mixers now. And um, so Fall Out Boy records, for sure. I mean, I remember uh, Infinity on High. Is that what it's called? Yep. That record, I think, was a big one for me. I was just like, I cannot believe how great this record sounded. I remember I had a car. I was in high school and I had some subwoofers and just bumping that CD thrice. Artist in the ambulance.
1: Um, what an awesome album! Holy cow!
3: <laughs> Matt Squire had some great stuff. Um, Panic at yeah. the Disco record. Um, I love that kind of stuff. You know, very clean but aggressive and and interesting
1: and fun to listen to. So you have mixed live sound.
3: Only for fun. So I'll give you an example. (laughs) Like I have a, I have a friend who his name, uh, it's been, it's been a while. Um, I had a friend who works at uh, the glass house in Pomona
1: and they have great um, shows.
3: Yeah, totally. And, uh, I remember, so for example, Belmont, this band Belmont was in town and I was hanging out with them and I went to go see their show at the glass house and no one was really there. It was probably like 50 kids. It's kind of a small, normal,
1: house. normal night at the glass house.
3: <laughs> so I go to my buddy. I'm like, let me, let me hop on there. first. You know, these
1: are, these are,
3: the, the, these are my boys. They won't mind. And, uh, you know, it didn't even sound bad or anything. I just wanted to fuck around. Cause I remember right. seeing he had the SSL waves plugging on there. And I remember I got on there and like, all I did was fuck with the kick drum, you know? And <laughs> and uh it was just really fun so no i don't i don't do it professionally but i like when i'm in that moment i'm like absolutely enthralled you know um i'd love to do it more you know very cool stuff i envy i envy your job but it's such a high is it a high yes such a rush
1: yes i'm stoned right now so it's (laughs) <laughs> you know what I, What i found is
0: i i you know in high school i did some some studio stuff and i it, as i got more into live i realized just how much i didn't like doing the studio work i was like i don't want to listen to the same three minute song for six hours like i it, like the lie it's in real time it's coming down the snake you don't know what's coming until it's coming and then you do it and then you pack it up and you take it take it out and like yeah it's just it's like zen man you're like Right there, you know what I mean, and that's oh, it's great. That's, that's, that's I like a, fucking
1: with the kick drum too. <laughs> Everybody right. likes fucking with the kick drum. That's so fun. right. Yeah, no. moving moving air is something special.
0: Yeah, yeah. But what's yeah. it so, totally. so What's well, look, it like to stand behind Chris and watch him mix the bands that you recorded in the studio?
3: Oh, I love it, absolutely love it. I remember uh, being at like Warp Tours or or the Roxy or something, and that's you know, where I would want to, you know, I like, I like being at a show and not feeling like anything needs to change. Hmm. You know what I mean? And like guys like Chris pull that off, especially with bands that I've worked with too. Like the worst thing I can do is go see a show and, um, be really disappointed in, in the sound and, have that urge to just go to the live sound and be like, yo dude, what's wrong with you? Like,
2: <laughs> I'd be devastated. Um,
1: that, Were you that's, sweating? That's Chris? when I,
2: that's when I met you. Yeah. That's when I met yeah. you at the Roxy, uh, at, uh, pure noise Tour 2014. I can't believe you remember that. Oh, of course. Uh, the, 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 that was a great show. Yeah. Uh, sounded crazy. Good. Yeah. The, I think the big difference, like, mm-hmm. and I suck at studio mixing too, but the big difference is like, you only have the length of the set to get this Mm -hmm. right and you can't overthink it. And it's all, it's all emotional. And you know what I mean? Whereas like studio stuff, you're, you're like trying to make your mix translate. And it's that, like, I'm not thinking about that at all. I'm only thinking about what this feels like right now. You know,
0: it's so sick. I, well, I caught myself too, because I get in the studio and you're like, all right, let's get the kick drum. And 15 minutes later, you're on. the st- Like, it, it, I was like, no, pretend it's live. I actually started running tracks into my console and just throwing the mix together there. And I get something I liked within, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Whereas when I'm in the studio, I haven't even got through the through the drum set in that amount of time. So <laughs> it's it's a different headspace. And I I've, I've found pulling myself out of the studio headspace and forcing myself to think of it more like live, like, all right, what's your biggest priority now? Just go for, go for that and work your way down. Like then, that's when I started getting studio mixes that I was actually happy with. Is when I started trying to approach it like I would approach a live thing, um, instead of getting bogged cool. down into the you know. And, and I'm still not. I, I try to avoid studio <laughs> costs still, but but that's when I yeah. stopped hating it. You know, is when I kind of get more mindful about where my time was being spent.
3: Yeah, that's it seems why at least for a guy like me to be able to like pull together a mix within the length of a show, like an hour or two, like if I can't get it to sound like minus the preparation thing, like adding samples and doing whatever clip gaining stuff, if I can't get it to feel um, like the band is playing, you know, together, then um, like if I can't get it to sound like Chris Miller's mixing the show within an hour or two, and something stopped. And I, Stop. I got to like restart <laughs> that or something. On. <laughs>
2: Yay, Chris. <laughs> within, <laughs> within eight seconds. Yeah. yeah. Within 12 okay. seconds of the first channel going up.
3: But like, I, I do recall that Roxy show. And like, the big thing for me, um, you know, for example, like the bass guitar. Like, I remember the bass was like filling the room. Like, it was almost like the stage was like. On a cloud or something, the bass sounded so good, you know, and that's really hard to do, I think. But fortunately, Ryan, the bassist, can, can really play and dig into that bass. And so I know it makes it easy for guys like Kyle and Chris and, and Hannah. Michael, you do you do live? Or? I,
0: I I do a little bit. I'm mostly a system tech, so yeah. usually I, I just have to make it sound good everywhere else. But uh, I still deal so with So when it you when it. you
3: got that that bass content and you can move it around where it needs to go. And you got a hard hitting drummer hmm. who's smashing the cans really good. I, I would imagine. And then a great singer on top of it. It's just like, that's all you need for a great live show sound.
0: Well, I mean, and to man, me, like, that's, you know, when they're setting up, and we haven't even gotten, you know, stuff coming through the console yet. And the band's still setting up and, and I've already, I'm already like, all right, I know how this is going to go now. Just based on the sound that they're making kind of on yeah. their own. I, I'm i like, I know what I'm in for tonight. Cool. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not as good because it, it's cool. it all stems from what you know what they're doing up there. <laughs> or then you get you get the person whose the guitar amp is just, you know, insane and I'm like, oh they, they're gonna have to turn that down. Like just <laughs> like I, I've already sure, yeah. I've already sort of mapped out my roadmap for the night just based on hearing kind of what they do on their own, you know.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
1: I Love had it. Neil behind me once no Did twice. You? how was that i was nervous, nervous? i definitely yeah. <laughs> i I definitely was sweating but he was out hanging out all day so i was yeah. picking his brain and asking him about the new stuff and cool. samples and 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 things and he literally just sat on a case and smiled the whole time so i was like oh. so i got to do a couple more tours with him um yeah. <laughs> i didn't get yeah, fired yeah. Right, away. <laughs> right but but yeah that is kind of nerve-wracking when you have that kind of pressure standing behind you it, mm. it, it it's it's affected me in quite a few situations i mean i told really? my whole page story too like that That's dude it. sitting behind me holy cow do, um, do
0: you make different decisions when you know you're being watched by someone whose opinion you care about like that
1: yeah I do less drugs um, <laughs> drink less <laughs> no make better life decisions life, life decisions first and then mixing's no problem just make better life to th- a clean t-shirt. Like, I, maybe. Y-
0: you're a, more <laughs> aware of your twiddling though, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, yeah. yeah,
1: I try to step away and listen, mm. you know, and definitely I, I wish Chris was right when he said that, you know, you only have this set to make it sound right. Usually you have one song, you know, or a song and a half. If that, if like, Oh, he didn't hit his floor toms. He starts on the floors next yeah, song or whatever. Right. So you, as long as you can chase it down fast enough, that's the key, you know? Mm -hmm. And when formats of consoles were changing and everyone had their own protocol, how things sounded and worked like phasing issues and EQ and stuff like that, you got to be real careful, you know? So getting those songs fixed in two songs and making everything sit where it needs to sit. Holy cow. Two songs tops. Mm -hmm. Like, Crazy. And, hey, and uh, and I never turned turned anyone down. I was just like, just leave it, just <laughs> let it rip, bro.
3: So, how do you um, like one thing I love, and um, is hearing toms. Like, I'm yeah. not gonna uh, like bands like State Champs and follow up. They usually just have two toms, so I'm sure that's not hard to do. But when you get a kit that has like you know four toms. Or more, like how do you you have to have a good sound check for that, right? Or like how do you treat that on the spot?
1: Gotta learn your drummer one, because he's gonna hit all three of them at different velocities at different times. Know your drummer one. And I I take a studio approach. I like listening to the shell. Like I'm not an attack-based drummer, so I love to say I mix metal, but I don't mix normal metal. Like I like listening to the shell of the drum resonate like right. the head is the, the secondary thing once mm. most of the punk rock kids started going to like a coated head i was like mm. awesome so now i can set a nice condenser over the rim and cool. hear straight to the bottom head mm. and nice. that helped that helped me with tuning as well so with like i use a artist elite eight the ae3000 audio technica's on toms and cool. um, it made my drum tech start paying attention to the bottoms a lot more and uh i like thunder like yeah. we were talking about this on the last episode with chris like the elevation albums sound so good the toms like the live toms on those recordings are ridiculous they're like what they call thunder toms or thunder yeah. like i like when they sit real nice but do you man. remember what uh, I remember
0: what big mix said to us when we were doing that panel last year he said i want my floor tom to move soil is the way he phrased it so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> think of that yeah i i, I think if you're me personally like there's a lot and in kyle this is like something that i really hear a lot in your mixes as well like if mm-hmm. the drum kit's like perfectly balanced in the mix it's like it's not loud enough i want a little more excitement i want larger than life toms i don't just want them like right in there i want like just a little bit extra like that's there's a lot more excitement that comes with that extra db so i like to really get them out there you know and, and make them start. i always i jokingly refer to nickelback because there's no fucking drum set in the world that sounds in the room like those nickelback drums. Like it's they're insane. Right. But but that's like the archetype of just big, huge, exciting, meaty rock drums. You know what I mean? So I, I always like to push it, you know. Um, I remember vividly, and I think about this all the time too, sitting behind Jimmy Yakubuski as he was doing Frampton a couple of years ago. And okay. I'm listening to his mix, and I was like, that snare drum is like seventy B higher than I would have put it. And it's awesome. And it's just, there's, there's, it, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's sometimes you got to come out of the the little sterile studio box a little bit and, and it's, it, it breathes some life into it and your mixes do that. So I think that's really cool, man. Thank you.
3: I appreciate that.
0: I'm always juggling the balance of things and I always want
3: things louder and this and that. And, uh, but, uh, I, 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 I do, I think toms are the hardest thing to get right. Um, and, uh, you know, they're hard to replace, you know, especially like a floor, Tom, like if you're like riding, you know, if he's being dynamic, you really can't sample that unless you're like completely replacing it. Um, so you're either got to get it right. Um, from the beginning or um, or replace it and that's that's your that's what I deal with in mixing um but well, yeah no I love so this. actually
0: this is a perfect this is a perfect time for this usually we do this at the beginning yeah. we forgot we have a little ritual we do here on the signal noise podcast uh, Kyle turnside what is the coolest thing within arms reach
1: tonight I brought Cousin It. <laughs> it's a, a Halloween candy holder. My daughter went as Wednesday last year, so we're getting all our decorations out.
0: All right. Chris Miller, you're camera list, but we'll take you at your word. Uh, honestly,
2: nothing. My phone is probably <laughs> the coolest thing I could reach. I'm in a hotel room oh, okay. in northern
0: L.A. Hannah, what do you got?
4: Um... I just got this new mug that has my Man. birds and Michael's bird on it. That's oh, my. Wow. That's bird
0: yep. Uh Kyle Black. Cool thing with an arm's reach.
3: Oh, God. I love what's in, in arm's reach. Right now I'm sitting at, on my kit. I have a 8x14 Noble and Cooley copper snare. Ouch. That I think love yeah, right.
1: Noble and Cooleys.
3: <laughs> it's very cool. And then some really nice peisty symbols. And um, so, yeah, the, that's what's in an, what an arms. I mind.
1: love Noble and Cooley kits, by the way, like the old yeah. black lacquer with the black rims. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh this Well, is
0: this is a, what jogged yeah. my my memory of that, that we had forgotten to do that. So when I was hanging out with Kyle, your buddy, Jim Rose, on Melissa Etheridge a couple weeks ago, um, he showed me these guys, their Pintech, their drum triggers, RS5. He goes, dude, he goes. Do you have seventy dollars? I go. Yeah. He goes. Order them on Amazon right now. I go. Okay. So I order them. So they just stick to your drum and they just give you a, a voltage transient. So he's using them to open the gates on his drum mics. Ah. So he's not replacing or, or triggering samples. He's just keying the gates. And the thing that I hate about gates is just you you chop the transient off and then all of a sudden you're just popping open and you're all this cymbal beat comes in. It's just it's just it's a lousy experience for me. So I've always shied away from them live, but. Um, these guys open your gate before the the transient gets to the mic. And so you don't chop the transient off. And it was amazing because he was showing me, you know, the guy's wailing on the snare and the tom gates are not opening. And then they lightly hit the toms and the tom gates open right up. So that is, I think a big part of that is controlling that, you know, when you're hitting the snare and you've got it ripping through nine mics, within 10 milliseconds of each other that's just a bad situation you know and and so i think that's yeah. that's part of my answer to your question about tom's is is containing containing all those multiple arrivals you know
1: nine milliseconds cool really I, gu- I guess you're right
0: well yeah i mean think about it the overheads probably four or five feet up from the snare right
1: yeah but i usually delay those
0: well yeah, or Please you're gonna correctly. delay everything back. You're gonna but it, so all right. Ryan John got like kicked off a forum for this statement, right? But so you're gonna delay your snare mic and all your stuff back to your overheads, but now they're everything's in time for the snare transient. But what about the Tom transients? Like you have to pick one transient that's gonna be in time, right? And set your delays from that. So obviously most people go for the snare, but you still have this issue of multiple arrivals. So you if you gate them out, then you lose, like you said, Kyle, you lose the kind of bottom end of the dynamics and that's a problem. I try,
1: I try never to m- gate my snare.
0: I don't gate the snare. I gate the toms though. Um, for a while I would use expanders instead of gates because they kind of they're a little more gentle on the way in, and I, I found them less objectionable to me.
1: Um, Are we going to get hate mail now? Are we going to get? I mean, news?
0: I don't know. Mm. It's... Mer-
2: Marin Fives gate gate triggering. See? There See? you go. Everything. That's kind of the new, the the new thing. Uh, yeah all all the shells. Chris, you're in yeah. town. I am. Are you mixing a show or something? Uh, we did Bank of California a few days ago. Uh, no, uh, but we're just off. I'm I'm in San Francisco tomorrow.
1: Okay, bummer. You know, do you <laughs> no, know no, who else is in town? The St. Louis I Cardinals. I have told you. The you St. Louis okay. Cardinals are in town playing the Dozers. Are you
0: watching the game right now on your phone?
1: Duh, <laughs> it's a wild card game, bro. <laughs> All right. Uh,
0: so, um, Hannah, before we get before we get to Sue further close to the end of, of our discussion. Um, I know that both Chris and Kyle work with a ton of artists that like sort of defined you and defined your career and your direction. So what what questions do you have? Yeah. I'm sure you got something you um,
4: want to ask. Uh, well, okay. Earlier today, I was listening to the Selfish Machines album for Pierce the Veil um, and I was listening to Bastidos um, and I had this thought. Um, they have like a, a mariachi type like vibe that they kind of present sometimes. And I was wondering what that was like to work with.
3: Okay. So Mike Green produced the record and what I, my engineering on the record was the vocals actually. Okay. So I can't give you an, uh, a definitive answer because I didn't record that particular thing, but I could tell you that the band was heavily, you know, they're they're what's really cool about like you know they like to showcase their Hispanic roots you know what I mean yes. so there's a ton of percussion in the studio um, all the time I, I remember you know they had I think you know maybe I think they had everything on standby just like shakers and congas and, you know that's
0: the the toys fader we would call that just collectively <laughs> <the> toys
3: <laughs> yeah so. I mean, that's what I remember about that. You know, it's okay. crucial. It's like, it's vital to the sound of that band. just their Hispanic roots and stuff. What else do you got?
4: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um,
2: I have one. I have one. Go for it. Uh, uh, okay. Um, you did the Newfound Glory live record, right? 2014, 2015? I did. I did. That was cool. They did that at Chain Reaction. I have mixed at Chain Reaction. My question is, how did you do that? <laughs> because oh, that dude. sounds good, and that venue is horrific, bro. How did you make them sound like that?
3: Oh, come on, man. I can't tell you these secrets. <laughs> Everyone's going to be super bummed. I'm just kidding. I mean, so, I, uh, you know, the p- picking up the trick of, like, you know, you get MIDI notes from the drums, and then you throw them <coughs> through a, like, uh, drum program like you know just a midi drum program and then you just grab the room mics from that um, I do that on a lot of my mixes and uh, so that was one thing was you know replacing the drum sound not replacing it creating it actually so um, yeah you gotta do stuff cause uh, you kinda gotta fake fake the experience you know what I mean and you do that by um, somehow creating ambience on the drums and uh, but not making it seem too fake. And then, of course, like a lot of different um, reverbs. And uh, what else? I think they had grabbed the DIs from that performance and reamped it. So the guitars didn't have any bleed, which was nice. And then the bass was DI. So... In terms of um, live excitement, you know, I'm just relying on like the symbol mics and God, maybe an ambient mic or two just snuck in there, but those probably sounded like ass and I had to figure out, you know, <laughs> some kind of EQ that worked. And- I don't know. That's how I did it. <laughs> you know? It's pretty good, man. Thank you. It's pretty good. <laughs> I love that. I love doing that. That was amazing, dude. That was amazing. I love that song, "Sunny." Uh,
2: oh yeah, that record rolls, man. That's like actually, it's one of my favorite live records. Not to really? cool. to just gush about you, but oh, yeah, I, I really do like that record a lot.
3: I uh, would. I wish to do. I hope to do more live records for sure.
0: We um, gotta get you out to some shows, Kyle. Fun. Yeah, get you get you out there more, man. We'll let you, let you play with the kick drum a little more. Yes. Yeah.
3: Well, no. I mean, do like I, I'd love to do live records. So if anyone's listening out there, they 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 want to do some live records and have me mix it. Let's uh, hit me up. There you go, man. I love that. Uh,
0: all right, Hannah, you got one more before we before we wrap things I'm up here.
4: Um, not really a question, but I want to say thank you because like you worked with State Champs and did the two albums that like really inspired me. Um, and Chris mixed them live the first few times I saw them, oh, so you. both of you guys like really made a huge yeah. impact on me.
0: Oh, thank you so That's much! On. See, yeah, and that glad
3: it resonated with you. <laughs>
0: well, that ties in our, our final question that we always ask uh, Kyle Black: uh, <laughs> um, if, if you could if you could define your legacy or how you would wish to be remembered, what would that be? Oh jeez, that's a tough one. <laughs> um,
3: you know, I don't know. Just just making an impact on uh, other people, positive. That's the only way to do it. Like, only to reach the masses with a positive, in a positive way, is to make sure I'm working with artists who have the same kind of desire. I suppose you know. So, um, I, I would say that is is trying to work with with people who are trying to spread positivity and, and healthy things and keep, keeping the peace, you know?
0: Sweet. Mm-hmm. There you go. And, uh, mm-hmm. I just, I will just let everyone know if, if they're interested in, in what you're doing, they can go to Kyle and, uh, mm-hmm. and keep up with what you're doing there. Uh, thank you Remember very much. Our, for, thank you.
1: Remember our, up? our sound girls friends.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Shout out to, to, uh, Michelle over at sound girls. She has, she has two new courses that she's doing. She's got a, uh, a basics of live sound engineering course and a more advanced course about eq called listen and we are really happy to give away a uh, one free admission to her course for a listener all you need to do is hit us up on our facebook or in our discord or send us an email at signalnoisepodcast.com tell us uh why you want to take michelle's course and uh, we're gonna pick a winner and we want to thank michelle for her generosity with that that's pretty cool
1: so dude kyle and chris thank you guys so much for joining us man that was was fun thanks guys it's that was it's it's not that often we get to talk to producers so the other side of it is always cool to listen to man for sure
3: oh likewise Um, thanks for having me last thanks so much for having me